There is a powerful link between the story of Yaakov praising Hashem for having taken him from the absolute bottom and elevating him to a place of brocha and the story of Yutus Kislev. So what we're going to see over here is that Yaakov Avinu says, when I crossed over the yard and I just had my stick and the two opinions, either that means he only had his stick or it means he was able to do miraculous things like splitting the Yarden River with his stick, which will introduce us to two realities. The reality of a person who feels that they deserve, for whatever reason, that Hashem should look after them, versus the person who feels that they have to beseech Hashem to look after them. And both of these have space within Yiddishkeit. In fact, that's the ultimate state of dedication and bittul, is when a person realizes, I deserve, and yet I'm going to beseech Hashem anyway, which is a great lesson for us, and also an insight into the story of Yudas Kislev. When Yaakov Avinu says in the Pasuk, I have been diminished or humbled by all of the, the kindness that Hashem has done for me, he explains that initially when I crossed the yard, in other words, leaving home, I just had my stick. Now I've become this massive family with two whole camps, the camp of my family, the camp of all my possessions, etc. So They're two totally opposite translations, explanations of what this means. So first you have the simple explanation, which is brought in the translation of Unklos, and Rashi initially brings it void as well as others. That it literally means he was stripped of everything, he had been robbed, and he literally had his walking stick in his hand when he crossed the yard. And why? So, if, if, why? Because he was attacked by Eliphaz. And Eliphaz took everything away from him. So, according to this interpretation, when he says, I, I crossed the yard with just my staff, what it wants to emphasize is, That doesn't highlight the great kindness of Hashem. In fact, to the contrary, at least in the beginning, then Bagashme Soriman Matsuf von Yaakov Avinabe says Zaribadamyadin, these words, Kivamakli, are not yet talking about the Chasodim. The Chasodim will come later. This is reminding Yaakov, reminding himself about how he started off in such an incredibly physically poor space. He only had his stick. If you go with this interpretation, this is building the drama. I had nothing. Now look at Hashem's incredible kindness to me that I have the two camps of family and possessions. Which comes later in the Pasuk. So the first interpretation is the words, is to highlight the low base that Yaakov came off. Then there's a different explanation. In the Medrash base, the Pirisha Medrash, then there's the interpretation of the Medrash, which Rashi also quotes subsequently. As no san makle be yadu nifka hayarden kiva makli avarti means literally with my stick. That's how I crossed the Yarden River. He used his stick in order to split the river open. Was like dem pirish and halten diverte be makli avarti geme gufa ninu from chaste Hashem. Now, if you go with that interpretation, it's the exact opposite. Kiva makli avarti es hayarden is now an expression of Hashem's kindness to him. First interpretation is kiva makli avarti is before Hashem did kindness when I was still struggling. According to the second explanation, Kiva Makri is a massive kindness that Hashem did to him to create this incredible miracle for him. Now, if you examine it, these are two absolutely contradictory interpretations because the first interpretation says the words Kiva Makri indicate the greatest poverty and lack, whereas whereas the second interpretation is indicates that Yaakov deserved the greatest miracle, a completely supernatural miracle. Over Lashon Chazal, like the Chazal say, 
commenting on this in Gemara Chulin, look how great Yaakov is. He's the equivalent, it appears, to Moshe and the 600,000 adult Jews that had the sea split for them, and he has the Adam split, split for him. So how do you reconcile the two absolutely contradictory interpretations of the same words? Now, there has to be a connection, because if we want to understand what the link and connection is, because as the Rebbe consistently reminds us, if you have multiple interpretations of a word or a pasuk or a concept in Torah, all the multiple interpretations must be linked. So what is the link between what appear to be two totally contradictory interpretations of the words, Kiva Makri, of Varti Especially if you have a look in the Medrash Aspirations, so there it brings the two interpretations one after the other, implying that they kind of flow from each other. So to understand how the two could connect, so in order to understand Yaakov's meaning and intention by saying I was humbled and diminished by Hashem's incredible kindness, let's look at how the Alter Rebbe addressed the same wording in his famous letter in Tanya in the Geras HaKodesh. Which is a letter that the Alter Rebbe wrote after being released in Yutis Kislev from Peterburg. So what does the Alter Rebbe say? Because Yaakov was incredibly humbled in his own self-assessment. Why? And because of the incredible kindness that kindnesses plural that Hashem had done from him, for him. Ki v'makli And then he just says the two words from the pasuk because with my stick, etc. Doesn't tell us the rest of the pasuk. That's as much as we'll extract from the Alter Rebbe's letter that's relevant to our conversation. Now, the Chere is not verstandig. Something here doesn't seem to make sense, doesn't seem clear to us. What's the Alter Rebbe's intention over here? To highlight how much in ongoing incredible kindness Hashem had done to Yaakov was do sot by which caused Yaakov to have this feeling of Katonti being completely humbled. So if the Altarebbe's intention is to ramp up how much chesed there is, which will help us to understand how much Katonti there is, surely the Altarebbe should have quoted Vader In fact, the main thing he should have quoted is the Siyam the conclusion of the Pasuk, which speaks about the Chasodim, of Varati Asayardin Hazeh, that he crossed the river, which could have been, according to the Medrash, miraculous, which, according to all opinions, is Hashem's kindness, that he's become this incredibly successful person. Why doesn't the Alter Rebbe say that? It just says, Kivimakri, etc. Now, you might want to say, oh, well, we know what Alter Rebbe was referring to. Maybe the Alter Rebbe knew that we would know the Medrash, and the minute we'd see the words, Kivimakri, we'd remember the Medrash. That it means Yaakov used his staff in order to split the, the Yarden in the most incredible, miraculous way, and that's Hashem's kindness. Maybe that's your answer, but, but I, you can't really give that as an answer for two reasons. 
Weil alle, es bleibt noch alles schwer, verwusstet man nicht eur dem zweiten Ches, was steht mit feierischen Posten, wer hat da hier sie nicht schnell machen lassen. Let's even say that the Alter Rebbe relies on the fact that you're familiar with the Medrash and you know that when you see reference to Yaakov's staff, it means that he used the staff in order to split, split the yard. And great, that's one Chesed. But why ignore the other one? That isn't from a medrash. That's actually from the words in the pasuk. The doesn't mention that at all. That's a very obvious and great kindness that Hashem did to him that he became hugely successful. Beis ve'ikar even more of an issue is oiv the Alter Rebbe meant mit the heichacha from pasuk dem neslet and pirush from medrash as niv kahayar. Then let's assume taka that the Alter Rebbe by saying kiva makri intended for you to remember the miracle of splitting the yard in order to cross. Which comes from the Medrash. Wollte doch gedacht zu dem Gufa bringen, dem Hemschech, of Varti es Ayarde in Hazer. Don't you think it would have been then logical for the Alter Rebbe to at least conclude that phrase, Kiva Makri, of Varti es Ayarde in Hazer? Because that would highlight what the miracle is and the kindness of Hashem. And welches wird nirmes den Nes, was hat sich aufgetan mit dem Bemakri? That would have highlighted for us, reminded us what the big miracle associated with the staff is. The Alter Rebbe doesn't even say that. So it's strange that he should just say Kiva Makri and that's it. Now, you'll say, but he says etc., right? And maybe the etc. reminds us of the rest of the Pasuk. Even that's not so simple. You can't argue that the Alter Rebbe intended for us to have in mind the whole Pasuk. But the Alter Rebbe wanted to keep it brief, so he just quotes the beginning of the Pasuk. And then he just puts an etc. for the rest of the Pasuk. That also isn't a good enough explanation. For Again, for two reasons. The second reason actually being a very important thing to always bear in mind about the nature of etc. in Svarim. So first of all, Okay, so at least say one word, Ovarati. Okay, now remember, Ovarati means that he had the miracle of crossing the river by splitting the river with his staff. And then put your etc. But besides that... Oib Azai is very If the Alter Rebbe really wanted us to pay attention to the rest of the Pasuk, he would have said, not Why? What's the difference? Because any time that the word etc. in Hebrew is written without the Vav, so it's just written that is an indication that the rest of the Pasuk is not relevant to our current discussion. So we're just reminding you that there's more to the Pasuk, but we're not telling you to check it out because it's not relevant to our conversation. So why do you put an etc.? Because we have a tradition from Chazal, the Gemara tells us, that if a Pasuk is, was split up by Moshe in a particular way, we have no right to truncate the Pasuk. So you've got to put the Chulei or the Goimer to indicate that there's more to the Pasuk. But if the Alter Rebbe intended for us to read further, he would have said, Ve Chulei, and he doesn't. So it's from them all movement that forces us to appreciate as the Inn from Kiva Makri Alein that the Alter Rebbe intends to tell us that just the words because with my staff, that's it, without any context, on the Inyon of Asvem without the rest of the Pasuk, is Genuk to Pelzan by Yaakovin, the Katointi, that already awoke or arose, aroused within Yaakov the sense of absolute humility and cartoonty. Now, we have to understand why, because the logic to us is once you have these incredible things done to you, then you feel, wow, did I deserve it? You know, who am I? 
But Kiva Makli on its own, how is that already a reason to feel Kotointi? So in order to understand that, we're going to see a beautiful explanation that Samach quotes from the Shalak Kaddish, that actually the word Vemakli, the word itself, is a whole concept outside of its direct translation. And that concept will teach us two different versions of how a person could imagine that they would receive brachas from Hashem. The quotes the Shalosh saying as ki v'makli. You take those words ki v'makli. Is roshetevus the letters of those words spell baruch kavod Hashemim koimoi and lishos chokivisi Hashem. Two different concepts. Drawing down Hashem's glory from its place, and I await or look forward to Hashem's salvation. And the Tzemach Tzedek is Moisif. That's the Shalosh. The Tzemach Tzedek now explains. That what the Shalom wants to say by these two phrases, Baruch Kvod Hashem Im Koimoi and Nishos Chakivisi Hashem, is similar, similar to what the Alter Rebbe explains in Torah Or, Binyan Mishpat Utzdoka Beyakev Atosisa. The Pasuk says that Hashem did for Yaakov Mishpat justice and Stoka charity. Says the Alter Rebbe, what does that mean? That Yaakov, and by extension the Jewish people, have to have two different channels of connection to Hashem. One is Mishpat, that which is by the book, and the one is Tzedakah, which is, so to speak, benevolent. And therefore says that Semach Tzedek, V'hainu beiz abachines, Boruch kveid Hashem im koimoi, V'shiyeh lishosch kivisi v'chulei. These are the two phrases, as we'll still see. The two phrases, Boruch kveid Hashem im koimoi, Nishosch they correlate to Mishpat and Tzedakah. Now, right now, that probably makes absolutely no sense. So we have to understand what is the difference between Mishpat and what is the difference uh, and the difference between Tzedakah. So the bit in them is, the explanation goes as follows. The fact that the Pasuk says Mishpat and Tzedakah you did with Yaakov is moving. As by Yaakov and Zangivin, the Beidemidus. That tells us clearly that Yaakov experienced both. He experienced Hashem's Mishpat and Hashem's Tzedakah. On the anhogamitem is oich given sai mishpot sai which indicates that Hashem's interactions with Yaakov included both mishpot and tzedakah, even though they actually appear to be contradictory concepts. Why? Because mishpot means, as Dosa Semon, kumtem alpidin. Mishpot means if I ask something from Hashem and he gives it to me from a perspective of mishpot, it means I deserve it, that it's absolutely appropriate that I should get this particular brocha. Und der Main von Tzedakah is, whereas the intention of Tzedakah is the exact opposite. As Alpi, din mishpat is menim nit mechoyuf tzegemen. Tzedakah implies that you don't owe me anything, you don't have to give me this brocha. No dos vetem gegemen, als Tzedakah, but because you're benevolent, therefore you'll be charitable enough to give me the brocha. Total opposite. Mishpat means I deserve it, Tzedakah means you're good. So how do you accommodate both, and how could Yaakov have two of these experiences happening in his life? Either he deserved Hashem brochas or not. One possible explanation you may want to offer is we're talking about two different realities of here, two different states. What does that mean? If a person is living at a neshama level, well, the neshama can, so to speak, demand almost certain things from Hashem and say, I deserve these things. I'm a neshama. I'm part of you. The neshama deserves certain things because it is a neshama. And because it's Chedekele Kamimah Mamesh, it deserves brochas and support and influence and whatever it needs. 
Whereas if a person is looking from the angle and perspective of the reality of the physical body, I don't deserve anything. Physical body doesn't deserve anything, so I have to petition Hashem for tzedakah. Maybe that's the explanation. There's an Hashem reality and a body reality. Then Hashem deserves the body begs. But that's not good enough. It's not good enough. Why? Look at the word of the pasuk, the specific word in that pasuk. It doesn't say Hashem gave or Hashem influenced or Hashem shared. It says, you did. You did mishpatotstaka. What's the point of you did? That tells you that whether it's the reality of Mishpat, which is the deserved brochus, or the reality of Tzedakah, which is the benevolent brochus, it all fits into the same reality called Asisa. How Hashem engages the practical world, not the spiritual soul world. So we're back to square one. How does Yaakov have both Mishpat and Tzedakah and apparently simultaneously in his life? The explanation is this. Oich, this is a fascinating concept and such a, an important thing to bear in mind. Oich, dan ve mahalt ba madrego vos ba rechtikt zu monen ashpos atoifon oibishim mitzad hadin. Let's say that a person is in a position where they have the rights to expect and demand certain things from Hashem by the book. Vite gemora saktefen pasuk, like the part that gemora says in Brochus. The Pasuk tells us, that Hashem says, listen to me, you stubborn-hearted people who are distant from Tzedakah. So there's two opinions, Rav Shmuel. What does it mean? The whole world is sustained by Hashem's benevolence. And these people who are distant from Hashem, almost by force, with Hashem's force. Meaning to say, that they don't necessarily deserve to be uh, kept al- alive, but Hashem kind of forces it on them in a sense. From Vegan, so so there could be a person who's in a position where you say, "Listen, I, I, I'm not forcing Hashem's hand. I deserve it. I deserve the brachas from Hashem." From Vegan, even he has an incredible lesson. Even when a person is a hundred percent convinced that they deserve a particular bracha from Hashem. The appropriate way to approach it is asking for tzedakah, not to say, I deserve, but to say, Hashem, you are the one who can dish out to me. So in other words, you come from a position of humility, even when you could come from a position of strength. And this also helps us to understand why Yaakov was afraid of Esav. Why was he afraid? He already had Hashem's assurance that Hashem would be with him and would protect him. So what's he afraid of? I, you'll say, yeah, well, uh, you know, everybody knows, Rashi tells us clearly, Yaakov was afraid perhaps his service of Hashem was lacking in some way and therefore he had lost that assurance. Even that you need to understand. What, what's Yaakov so afraid of? The Gemara Yuma tells us that if a person has gone through most of their life without doing an Avera, you can assume that they're fairly safe at this point. So what's Yaakov afraid that he sinned? He's at an advanced age already. 
Yaakov Avinu is no longer a young man. He's certainly more than halfway through his life, if you do the calculations. So what's he afraid of? Maybe I've done a sin. He has nothing to be afraid of. So why is he concerned about Esav? Most of his years have passed in spiritual health. What's he worried about? The only time that a person would have confidence is when a person takes themselves seriously. When a person takes themselves seriously, they can say, look, here's the reality. I checked my record and I've lived the majority of my life without sin. I'm good. For which reason? The person will believe, you know what? I'm not going to sin ever again. And if he's one of the stubborn people, so to speak, that the Gemara spoke about, he could say, hey, I'm going to insist that Hashem gives me what I need, not in a way of tzedakah, but kind of with a firm resolution, because I deserve it. That would have happened to a person who takes themselves seriously, who considers their own ego. So they make their cheshbon and nefesh and say, I deserve, I want, I need, I have rights. But when a person has true submission to Hashem, which means that the person takes themselves as nothing. I'm nothing. I am nothing. Hashem is everything. Such a person has such a beetle dicker self-perspective that they feel maybe I'm still lacking. Not chata that I did an avera. Chata from the Lashen Chesoran. Maybe I'm lacking something. A person worries, maybe there's something still lacking in my avoid. So therefore, because the person consistently wonders, perhaps I'm not as perfect in my service of Hashem as I should be, maybe I need the brochas to come in a way of tzedakah benevolence. So that would explain Yaakov's attitude. Yaakov has such bittle that he says, I don't know, I can't make demands of Hashem. I can only petition Hashem to show me compassion and give me the brochas that I need. Sabanit moving, but that's still not fully clear. So, okay, now we get it, right? Now you've told me that Yaakov lives in a world where he understands that he's got complete bittle and therefore relies on Hashem's good graces in order to get brochas. That explains why there should be tzedakah in his life. So now, how do you explain the full pasuk? So then why does the pasuk say that he also has mishpat, which implies the ability to be able to demand and insist? which implies as is given by Yaakov that indicates that Yaakov deserved and in fact employed the attitude of, Mish, of Mishpat so that doesn't make sense till now was a beautiful explanation right that even if I'm in a position like the demand of Hashem I'm still going to have the beetle to step back and say rather give me tzedakah so why Mishpat then by Yaakov is there in the explanation is Pshas men is be'emes or this is in a matzev was beten by mebushen blois al stoker. Let's say that a person is in a position where their reality is that all they could do is ask Hashem for compassion because they can't make any demands. Or even if they could make demands, but in their mind and perspective, they believe that they can only ask Hashem for tzedakah. Stos beten stoker nikin echochav bittel valahot doch nikin it. We don't know then that it's bittel. Maybe the person has no choice. The person in their mind knows I cannot make a demand of Hashem. Okay, so now the fact that you're asking Hashem for compassion doesn't tell me you have bitter, it tells me you have no options. You can only ask for tzedakah. 
Boimek Yoiser. One step deeper. Dos is Let's even say that the person has a certain amount of bitul, and their bitul creates some kind of personal restrictions on their either perception of self or their ability to so-called demand of Hashem. So therefore they're saying, you know, okay, please, please give me what I need. So if a person is going to now approach Hashem from a position, so to speak, of weakness and say, I don't deserve, please, would you help me? So you're coming from a limited perspective. So the response you're going to get is limited tzedakah. As we know, actually, the practical application of tzedakah is to assist a person to fill their need, to fill their specific gap, what they individually lack. But you, the benefactor, you have no requirement to now make this person into a wealthy person. They don't have clothes, give them clothes. They don't have food, give them food. So you're... Your obligation, according to Tzedakah, is to be relative to the needs of the individual as they are in their reality. In Vos, there is eingewohnt, relative to what they're used to. Now, it is possible that what a person was used to was a huge amount of things, right? Like you've got to give him a horse to ride on, etc. But it's still relative to what that person was used to. Let's say that there was a person who was used to having a, a horse to ride on and various uh, page boys going ahead announcing his arrival, heralds, whatever you call them. You've got to give it to him. But you don't have to give him more than that. So again, what happens with the realm of tzedakah? The realm of tzedakah is that you reach out to somebody and say, I need. And they say, fine, I'll fill your need. But it's only going to be as big as your need. But if a person is in a different state, a different state where they can claim that they deserve connection, they deserve hashpa, they deserve bracha, and in spite of the fact that the person knows that they have on what to rely and to say, I deserve. Nevertheless, they don't take that route, but instead come with bitl, not making demands based on what the book says they should be getting, not meet the bakosha al but instead they take an approach of request from a tzedaka perspective. That tells me this person has now left the reality of their own self with all of its limitations. Again, person who feels that I'm lacking, so okay, I feel this is how much I need, this is how much I lack. Okay, we'll give you how much you need. The person that says, I deserve, and in spite of the fact that I deserve, I'll relinquish my argument in, in favor of what I deserve, and instead come with complete bitter, that person has let go of all cheshboinus, all calculations, all um, definitions of what they deserve. In which case, the response from Hashem is that they receive something that also has no limits. It's not going to be the kind of bracha suited to that individual and his or her circumstances. 
And therefore, it's not relative to his or her particular lack that they're lacking. So these are now two different realities, right? One attitude is, I need, I lack, please give me. The second is to have a certain stolz, like a certain strength to be able to say, I deserve. But the chap is not to claim based on what you deserve, but rather to say, in spite of what I deserve, I'm still going to request in a humble, bitultika way, which opens up channels that are completely unlimited. Take us right back to the two concepts that Semach quoted from the Shaloh Kodesh. The one attitude which is, I hope, Hashem, for your salvation. And the second is, bringing down Hashem's glory, so to speak, from its place. The person says, is saying, I have no power in this. I'm waiting for your salvation. It's in your hands. You, Hashem, are going to help me. And the reason he does is because he says, I don't deserve anything. Because the person feels acutely that I don't deserve anything, therefore the person feels it's completely in your hands. I'm completely reliant on you. That's the first state, right? The first state is, why does the person come begging? Because they feel they have no choice. Whereas when a person takes the attitude of drawing down Hashem's glory, which means effectively, a, so to speak, a, a ray of Hashem's greatness, that's completely different. This is talking about somebody who's able to draw down from Hashem's place. What does that mean? That means that a person is able to, so to speak, get into the real reality of Hashem's glory, meaning... To bring down something that belongs to Hashem down into my reality. I'm waiting for Hashem. You're going to do for me what I need in my world. Means I'm reaching into your world, Hashem, and bringing something down from your world into my reality. Those days, I'm That indicates that I'm able to draw absolute infinity down into my space. That is achieved to the people who are abirelev. They have on what to claim from Hashem, and nevertheless, they ask for tzedakah. Now we can understand why the Altarebbe's language with regards to describing Yaakov is now we understand Altarebbe's language, which is because Yaakov is very, very small in his own eyes because of his staff, dot, dot, dot. Without getting into the rest of the Pasuk, which is the details of either splitting the river or now having this massive family and possessions. Because what Altreba wants us to know is because Yaakov possessed the two paradoxical states of Mishpat and Stoka, which are all alluded to in Kivemakri being the abbreviations of the two psukim, or the two phrases, 
Because Yaakov Avinu was at such an incredible level, meaning to say that he could have demanded of Hashem, and yet he had the bittle not to demand, but rather to, to petition Hashem from a, a perspective of tzedakah. Therefore, he opened up this channel of bli gvul chasodim, absolute infinite kindness from Hashem. He was able to unlock what is alluded to in the, in the phrase, unlimited flow of bracha from Hashem. So now we know that this uh, access that Yaakov got to these unfettered brochas was because of Kiva Makri, which represents the combination of the two attitudes. I could insist, but instead I have bitter to request. It's a completely different story of Katonti. Not Katonti, Hashem, you were good to me, you were nice to me, and therefore I'm, I'm a little, you know, I'm overwhelmed by your goodness. No. It's Kervas Elikim, he came so close to Hashem with this complete bitter, and that kind of absolute closeness to Hashem creates absolute uh, sense of, of humility, absolute sense of bitter. And that's why the Alter Rebbe continues to say, The fact that Yaakov was so incredibly small in his own eyes because of the riboy, meaning the unlimited chasadim, that's why he had the attitude of, I don't deserve necessarily to be saved from Esau. To borrow the expression of Chazal, he had the impression, maybe I'm lacking in my avoider. What does that mean? Because Yaakov had absolute, the, the, the nth degree of Bittu to Hashem. That allowed him to reach and to access a space, a level of godliness where human endeavor could never reach. On the far is need me be'ain of shechoto, which is why he would think I'm always lacking. What does it mean, always lacking? It means to say he's reaching a degree that humans could never reach. So you'll always lack. You'll always feel I can't get to that finish line. Which means that his personal avoider never rated in his in his world. It's not like, oh, I've achieved this, I've achieved that, I've achieved... It doesn't matter. You've achieved a whole lot of finite things on an infinite scale. You're trying to reach that which human endeavor can never reach. So you'll always feel not just lacking, but infinitely distant from the goal. That helps us to understand what we initially thought were two contradictory interpretations of Kiva Makri. Either it's just simply I had nothing, just a stick, or I'm doing incredible miracles and splitting rivers. The simple explanation, just the stick. In the Medrash interpretation, that he did this incredible miracle of splitting the river. The two of them together give us the paradoxical reality that Yaakov lived. On one hand, Yaakov is, I've just got a stick in my hand. I have nothing. Complete bitter. I have nothing. I deserve nothing. I'm a million miles away from where I need to be. And therefore, I rely completely on Hashem's kindness and tzedakah. 
on leidach here on the other hand, because of that, Staten Azad the Hebna Darga, he's at such a lofty level, be severed Zainti and Hoganisus for Nifka Yarden, for which he deserves the most incredible miracle splitting open uh, the Yarden, was to scuffa Bavais as a Zrots of the Ashpois Achsod and Pateras Mishpat, which actually tells us he deserves Hashem's kindness. He deserves Hashem's miracles. This is the paradoxical reality of Yaakov. There is what he really deserves and how he, how he views himself. So that's the meaning of the Pasuk that says, Mishpat and Sadaka, both of them were done for you, with you, Yaakov. Which was able to affect that the Katonti, the Bittel, the smallness of Yaakov would be absolute. It's that complete self-effacement, that complete self-surrender, which opened the channels that he should have the greatest protection and brochati, that Hashem would save him from Esau, that Hashem would help him to expand and grow, to the extent that he would grow beyond all limitations, like this grains of sand that cannot be counted. That's going to teach us a personal lesson. It's well known that the stories which tell us the avoider of the Ovois all replicate in our DNA. Something which is unique only to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, not the Shvatim or Nevi'im, etc. Which is going to teach us something relevant in context of what we're learning over here. Not only is it that every one of us is in a position that we could ask Hashem to give us things that we don't necessarily deserve. That's not such a big chiddush for us. What's fascinating for us is that every single one of us as Jewish people actually has the right to insist on those brachas from Hashem. How so? As we well know, the Gemara tells us that the entire Jewish nation is royalty. For which reason, as the Friedrich Rebbe wants to express, because we're all royalty, so even if you make us do something which is slightly uncomfortable, that is considered as if you were making us do hard labor. Because we didn't choose to be royalty, Hashem elected us and selected us to be royalty, therefore we deserve every brocha in abundance in every area of life. Look at the story of Nebuchadnezzar, that there was a letter that uh, when he was, like, so to speak, the royal scribe, there was a letter that was sent to Chizkiyahu, and the, the letter, it, it didn't address Hashem with the right respect. And he went chasing after the messenger to retrieve the letter. And for that, he was, re- he was, uh, he was rewarded. He took a few steps. He was rewarded that for every step he took, he had a generation of rule, dominion over the world. That's Nebuchadnezzar, Horosha. So how much more so for the Jewish people? There's no question that there's not a single Jewish person who has not shown tremendous respect to Hashem. Is cult of Every single one of us deserves the abundance of all the brachas that the world has to offer. 
Ah, you'll say, so why, why don't we see that? And You'll see that the hidden who do have difficulty and suffering in this world. That, as the Alter explains, is to help us break our, our animalistic spirit, help us break down our materialism in order to expose the neshama. But when a yid reaches the stage where, like Yaakov, he deserves mishpat utzadoka, which means, as a gamer is very petiras mishpat, that even though he knows he deserves brochus, still he has the bitl to say, I'm not going to throw my weight around or use my credentials. Instead, I'm going to have the humble request from Hashem, please give me what brochus I need. That would be an indicator that the person has achieved a state of meaningful bitul submission to Hashem. That opens up a channel for Hashem's brochus from their infinite space. That opens up totally unlimited success and brocha in everything that a person does in the realm of family in the realm of health in the realm of finance in an oifem from revicha all of them in the most broad abundant way and all of the distractions and the disturbances are removed that you can enjoy actually the peaceful tranquility of this world and this is the specific connection between this theme and these messages and Yutus Kislev. As we well know, the Alter Rebbe put his life on the line, both materially and spiritually, in order to spread Hasidus as far as possible. The Altareba literally ripped himself away from all the other things that would have uh, he would have appreciated and enjoyed in order to share Hasidus everywhere. There's no question that Altareba could have insisted that he deserved to be freed from prison. So he could have demanded of Hashem after all the mysterious nefesh I've had I deserve to be freed but he didn't he asked specifically to receive that geula in a way of tzedakah as Al-Tarebbe writes extensively that his geula was Hashem's absolute kindness because the Alter Rebbe who could have demanded Mishpat and instead requested Tzedakah, that's why the nature of his Geula was Bishalim. What does Bishalim mean? As his and the opposition to Chasidus dissolved. To the, to the extent that those who previously opposed him supported him, and in a peaceful way. But the Pasuk is Messiah, give a rabbi mo'yu imodi, like the Pasuk then till him says, give a rabbi mo'yu imodi. That even those who were the many opponents now became the supporters. So it's a great lesson for us, that even if we feel that there's certain things we could insist from to have from Hashem, the minute we have that experience of bitl and say, give it to us please in a way of chesed, that opens up channels of absolute bleak vul, we should have in Mitzvah Hashem those channels in all the things that we need, and of course, the greatest of all to have the Gula Shlema right now.